sin, and I'm glad I'm free. Amen. But you know what? The sad thing is, everybody's not free. Everybody's not free. And let me say this. Let me say this. Every Christian is not free indeed. Every Christian is not free indeed. Listen, we're, we're, we're at a place uh, in, in John chapter number 8 and verse number 30 that, that Jesus really, he really gets in their crawl. He, he, he gets in their stuff. Don't you, don't you hate it when the Lord gets right in your business? Amen. John chapter 8, verse number 30. And when you get there, say amen. amen. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Say that with me. Many believed on, him. believed on him. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe this is a point of salvation for these Jews. I believe, I believe that this certain crowd here, there's a huge crowd and some... Decide to believe what Jesus said. And I hope you've done that in your life. I hope you believed him when he said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I, I really hope that you believed him when he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I, I hope you, you believed him when he said, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Your church attendance won't get you in. Your, your Baptist heritage won't get you in. Your baptism won't get you in. It's not about what you have done in your physical body. It's about what you've done in your heart. And he said, for whosoever will believe on him will be saved. I need a witness. Boy, I hope you believed him when he said that. I hope you believed him when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. I hope you believed him when he said, I'll give you peace that the world can't take away. I'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm making you more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. I need a witness this morning. Boy, I hope you believed him when he said that. I hope you believed him when he said he's coming again. Amen. I hope you believed him when he said we're going to rule and reign with him. Say amen. I, I, I hope you believed him when he said that. Many believed on him. I feel a little preach this morning. Amen. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. I believe there's a bunch of saved folk that just ain't a bunch of disciples. There's a difference. He is speaking to those who have believed on him. He is speaking to those who have trusted in him. He's speaking to those who, if you want to technically use this, they're saved. Now he's given them an if and a then. In other words, if you do this, then this will take place. I'm glad there's not any stipulations on salvation. I'm glad it's whosoever will, let him come. But when it comes to the point of being free, he says, if you do this, then this is going to take place. If ye continue in my word, say that with me, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be free? It's amazing people that are in bondage, they're blind. They forgot that they were 400 years in bondage to the land of Egypt. Now they're in bondage to the Roman Empire. And they're saying, we ain't got no problem. Have you ever heard that before? Man addicted to drugs, I don't have no problem. Man addicted to pornography. No, I don't have a problem. Uh, 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 people uh, with all these issues and bondage and, and listen, bondage to many things that we're going to talk about today, but you try to address it and they say, hey, all, everything's all right. I don't have an issue. Jesus says, listen, Jesus answered him, verily, verily. Be careful when Jesus goes to using verily, verily. Because he's verily, verily serious. Say amen. amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That word committed means to practice. To pra it doesn't mean you slip up and make a mistake. It means you, you practice it on a regular basis. If you practice sin, you're the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. I believe personally, my personal uh, uh, belief here, he is speaking to a crowd of unbelievers now. They, they are those that were mixed in the crowd. They are those that are here that have not believed his word. And they're trying to come back at him for what he did say. And he said, look, if you're committing sin, you're a servant of sin. 
Now in verse 36, read it with me. Everybody read it with me. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free. Let's read it again one more time. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Brother Campbell, lead us in prayer this morning. Help us, Jesus. Yes, Lord. God help us today, Lord. Yes, Lord, please help us. Amen. You may be seated. If ye continue in my word, then ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We have no issue. We have no problem. I, let me just give you, can I give you just a brief commercial that you can, you can go study later on and look at? Uh, uh, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me when you are confronted with truth, the reactions that you get from, from certain people. Uh, Jesus has confronted them with their situation, with the issues that they have. And the first thing they do is go into a state of denial. We've never been in bondage to any man. We are Abraham. See, basically what they're bragging on is their religion. They're bragging on their jewelry. They're bragging on their heritage. It's amazing to me how many people want to brag on a heritage that sometimes you don't need to be bragging on. We're Abraham, see. We, we have no issues. We've never been in bondage. No, the 400 years, that was just a walk in the park. Now, we're in bondage to Roman Empire, but, but we're in a state of denial. Well, Jesus keeps on. He keeps on pressing the issue. He keeps on telling them and explaining them what the deal is. And when they get caught in their situation, when they realize that they don't have an argument, Brother Chris, then they throw accusations. They say, well, you, don't, we, uh, 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 what? you were born of fornication. You are you, you don't even know you don't even know who your daddy is. Jesus goes on to explain some more. Well, then they get madder. I mean, they just say, realize it. Well, you're a devil. Well, then then they go on and more and more. And then at the very end, they go to picking up stones and want to kill him. You know what? We're all the same way. We will try to defend our position. We will try to defend our stand. We'll try to defend our belief. And, and when every point that you have made has been taken out and every fact that you have presented has been disclaimed and the Word has shown itself true and every man a liar, then we want to throw accusations. I, I was in the office one day and, 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 and a couple come in my office and had a stack of books that big and said, you're doing this and this and this and this wrong and that and that and that wrong. And I said, okay, well, show me, show me. I, and I took my Bible out. I said, this is the only book I go by. I took my Bible out and I laid on it. I said, all this stuff you got stacked on this, on this table here, can you show me anything in this book, what I'm doing wrong, that I'm, I'm doing and I'm not supposed to be doing, or that I'm not doing and I'm supposed to be doing? Well, it's, it's probably in there. And I, I said, well, if it's in that stack, shouldn't you have got that out of the book before you come in here? And this is what they said, honest to God, honest before the Lord. They said, well, you ain't never liked us. I said, what do you mean? You don't never hug us like you hug everybody else. What happened? Their argument was taken away. Listen, here's what I need you to do. Don't get mad at Jesus today. Don't get upset if the Lord presents his case to you today. If something comes into your life today that God said, this is where you have an issue. Let's deal with it right here. Don't get angry and want to pick up stones and throw. Just say, Lord, let your will be done. Say, why are you saying all that? It just amazed me as I read that whole chapter how people respond to truth. How people sometimes, they want what they want and they want what they believe to be more important than truth that is made. I'm telling you, anytime you're confronted with truth, you need to change your behavior. You need to change your theology. You need to change your belief to line up with truth. Why? Because it's that truth that's going to set you free. When your theology doesn't line up with truth, you're in bondage. Bondage. I kept, I kept reading that, that verse and 
Jesus steps it up a notch. Did you notice that? The first time he uses the terminology, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But the second time when he was rebutting their argument, he said, let me just go a little further than that. Let me just explain it so you can understand it. The son, capital S-O-N, will make you free. And then he says this, and if the son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I looked up that word, Brother Chris. I couldn't help it. I had to. It's right there. It meant, I mean, not just free, but free indeed. And that word indeed means really. With a a exclamation point. Really free. Are you really free? I I didn't say, are you saved? I didn't say, is your name on the Lamb's Book of Life? I didn't say, do you have a ticket to heaven? I didn't say, do you go to church? I didn't say, uh, listen, all of these things that we think. I said, are you free? Are you really free? There's so many of us that we're saved and we know Jesus. That's as far as it goes. We're saved and we go to church, but yet we're still in bondage. We're still being bound. We're still not free. We're still struggling with things. But Jesus didn't want you to struggle that way. He wanted you to be free. That's why he said immediately. That's why he said immediately. When, as soon as they believed. I mean, as soon as they believed. The first thing he wanted them to know. He said, look, if you'll continue in my word, then ye will be free. You will know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The devil is nothing but a liar. And he's a father of all lies. And if you follow him, you're going to be bound to tradition. You're going to be bound to untruth. But if you know the truth, you'll be free. I heard a statement. If you find two, two men arguing, neither, neither one of them know what they're talking about. You ever thought about that? If you find two men arguing, neither one of them know what they're talking about. Because if only one was convinced of what he was talking about, he wouldn't even argue about it. Isn't that the truth? Why? Because he's got the truth. It set him free. Why? He he don't need to argue. If you want to be ignorant and and bound, be ignorant and bound. Church, say amen. Amen. I know some of y'all look at me and say, what are you talking about? We, 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 we are, we're Abraham's seed. We're not in bondage to anything, really. God gave me three things that I believe is suffocating the church today. Suffocating Christians today. Keeping them from being used in a great way. How many of y'all know the Bible says that when Jesus left this earth, he said, he said these works that I have done, greater works will ye do. How many of y'all know that's in the Bible? What? what why isn't that happening? Why, why are we not more than conquerors through Christ? Why are we living in such defeat? Why are we in an empty house today? I'll tell you why. We're in bondage. Bondage. Oh, I don't have a problem, preacher. I'm fine. I'm okay. Well, let me give it, go through the list and then you decide if you're fine or not. Number one. I believe, I believe the Lord wants to set us free from a pestilent past. A pestilent past. I looked up that word. I looked up that word pestilent. This is what it means. Destructive of life. Causing displeasure or annoyance. You know, there is nothing more annoying than remembering your past. There is nothing to me in my mind more annoying than sitting down and getting down on my knees and needing to talk to God about something and God, or excuse me, the devil brings an image of something that I did in my past. Are y'all with me this morning? I know y'all ready for the hot dogs and hamburgers, but just give me your undivided attention just a few minutes this morning. I believe you're going to leave with some help today. There is nothing more destructive than the devil bringing up your past on a regular basis. Listen, people's past have destroyed relationships in the present and in the future. Why? Because of something that Leroy or Willie did to you. You're taking that out on Joe who you're with now. And your past is making your future hell on earth. What in our past, preacher? What in our past are we bound to? Two things. Two things I believe. I believe, A, 
I believe disobedience that haunted me. Disobedience, things that I did in my past, sin in my past that I'm ashamed of. And I, I heard somebody sent me something on my text phone, and, 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 and man, this was great. This is, this is the coolest thing. Uh, uh, and, and I can't claim it because they're here this morning. Amen. But it's good stuff. Every saint has a past. But every sinner has a future. Every saint, what does that mean? You're not a lone ranger this morning. You're not a grand angel this morning. If you came in with a halo over your head, you might as well take it down because nobody believes it anyhow. We all like sheep have gone astray. We are all unrighteous. There is no, no, listen, none righteous, no, not one. We all have skeletons in our closet. And we need to remember that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we might be where somebody else is today. I need a witness. And our past is something that the devil will use to haunt us. Our past is something the devil will bring up and say, Who do you think you are? I saw you on that bar stool. I saw you in that crack house. I saw you selling that meth. I saw you where you was in that drunk place. I saw everything you ever done. Well, I'm telling you what. You need to tell him, Go back to hell, devil. I am been redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. I've been forgiven of my sins and they've all been washed away. But listen, disobedience, things in my past that I'm ashamed of, things in my past. Well, Paul, he had a great, he had a great statement for that. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm pressing forward. I'm going forward in my life. I've got many things I need to forget. I've got many things that the Lord has taken care of. I'm going forward in my life. And so many of you won't get involved in service because your past has got you in bondage. You can't move on because you can't forgive. You can't move on because somebody did something to you that broke your heart and you've got bitterness in your heart about them and you will not forgive them. You know what that's called? Bondage. Bondage. Listen, not only disobedience that haunts me, but then B, disappointments that hinder me. Well, there's been things I've been disappointed with, Brother Travis. Things that happen... Things in life that you, you know, you're trying to figure out, Brother Chris, what in the world's going on? Why, why in the world? People walk out on you you thought would never walk out on you. I mean, things happen you'd never dreamed in a million years would take place. You know, there's so many people sitting in places of misery in their life because they can't move past what somebody did to them in their life. I can't, I can't. Have a new friend because I can't get over my old friend. I can't trust this one because this one broke my trust. Are y'all with me? See, it's getting quiet in here, you know, because things are so, oh, oh. I don't know how many marriages have come into my office because of things that's happened in the past. The spouse has taken it out on them. What somebody else did to him. And you know what that is? It's bondage to their past. I can't help but think. I can't help but think about the, the nation of Israel. Brother Chris, they came out by the blood. He said, you take a lamb. You take that blood of that lamb, you put it on the doorpost and the lintel. And, 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 and when that death angel comes, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the Bible says, the Bible says, because of that blood, they were saved. They were redeemed, if you will. And God brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of that place, brought them, listen, out. And, and now, here they are, they are, they are uh, free. Y'all with me? They are in the wilderness on the run. They are going and all of a sudden they come up to the Red Sea. All of a sudden they come up to an obstacle. They come up to something that they can't get over. They can't, listen, what are we going to do now? And then all of a sudden they turn around. Who's in their rearview mirror? Pharaoh. What's Pharaoh a representation of? The world that you just come out of. It's amazing to me. You can be clicking along in your Christian life. 
You can be going in your Christian life, then all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and the world's right behind you. Your past is right behind you. That thing that you left behind is right behind you. It's trying to run you down. It's trying to haunt you in your new life. You've been saved. You've been brought out. You've been delivered. God saved your soul. You've been forgiven. You're going to church. You're singing, but all of a sudden, here comes your past again. And here they are standing at the Red Sea. And, and Pharaoh's barreling down on them. I mean, they know it. And by the way, too, you'll say some dumb things when your past runs up on you. Because they went to tell him, Moses, boy, it was better off. We, it, we was better off in Egypt. Did you just bring us out here to die out here in the wilderness? We should have just stayed where we are. Yeah, we should have stayed in slavery. We should have stayed where we were eating leeks and garlic. We should have stayed where they were beating and putting stripes on our back. We, we should have stayed in a point of slavery there. Oh, yeah, that's a smart thing to do. And you know what? We'll get in our Christian life, and we'll start walking with God, and things will get difficult. We'll start suffering for Jesus, and things will start happening that we don't understand, and we don't know why. And, and we'll say, man, I was better off before I got saved. I was better off when I was headed to hell 100 miles an hour. I was better off when I was doing everything the devil bid me. I was better off when... Uh, come on. Boy, when that past goes rising up, boy, we'll, we'll say some dumb things, won't we? The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Y'all know the story, but I, I want to I make a point. The Bible says that Moses held the rod and, and the sea split. Y'all remember that part? And they went across on dry ground. And I always wondered about this. Why would he do it like this? It says that when, when they got across on dry ground, he left it open. He left it open. And, and it was kind of like God was down in that Red Sea saying, come on. And I imagine, can you imagine... Can you imagine the Israelites, Brother Dave, on this side? Saying, God, what are you doing? We're okay. Shut it back. Shut it back. I can see some of y'all have no imagination whatsoever. I mean, wouldn't you? I'd say, come on, Lord. You got us across. Shut it back. They're coming. They're coming. And he didn't. He waited till they got right in the middle. And then the Bible says he went in the midst of them and took the chariot wheels off. Made them drive so furiously, their wheels came off. Don't ever doubt, the, the Lord can make the wheels come off of your past. Feel a little preach coming, amen. The Bible says, here come that water. He let the water come crashing in. Let me, let me, let me, let me read it. I, I, I got a couple verses here that I, I printed off. It says, and the waters returned in Exodus 14, 28. Don't turn there. I'll just read it. You can turn later. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the, watch this. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Watch this. This is so important. You've got to get this part. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Did y'all get that? And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. What is the point? The point is this. God did not let them get away till they saw what had them in bondage was dead and will not be chasing them any longer. I do not care if you have come out of Egypt. If what has held you bondage and what has held you a slave is still chasing you, then you're not really free. You're not free indeed. You're still looking over your shoulder. You're still looking over your shoulder. But God did not want you to have to look over the shoulder the rest of your life. He wanted you to see, I can not only bring you out, I can destroy the past that is haunting you. I need a witness this morning. God wants you to be free indeed. God doesn't want you to run the rest of your life having to look in your rearview mirror all the time. He wants you to be free indeed. I'll always fight this problem. 
That's not really free. What do I do? If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What does that mean? You need to live in it. You need to soak it up. You need to read it. You need to meditate on it. Well, what is meditating on the word going to do for my past? Oh, the Bible says, Psalms 103, verse 11, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God said just meditate on that a while. Soak that in a while. Read that a while. Listen, memorize those verses. I have removed your sin. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You can sing to the devil, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. Say amen. Your past. You need to tell the devil God's taking care of my past. God's taking care of my past. And then remind him of his future. Say amen. amen. Our pestilent past will keep us in bondage. What they do when they saw all them dead Egyptians on the shore? They had a party. Some of y'all need to clear off a spot one day and just shout to the ground that God has set you free. Amen. Number two. Number two, I don't have an issue there. Well, let's see if you have an issue here. Not only, not only sometimes are we in bondage to a pestilent past, but then number two, we're in bondage to our present problems. Present problems. Listen, there are so many people struggling with destructive addictions today that's incredible. I believe, I believe we are in a plague of addictions. I believe if the truth be known, I believe if the truth be known from a quarter, I would say, Brother Chris, from a quarter to a half of the congregation should be there on Friday nights for hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Amen. We're addicted to all kinds of stuff. Oh, but I can't go there. Somebody will see me. See, your issue is pride. As long as you have pride, you'll stay in your issue. You'll constantly come to God and say, I'm sorry, I did it again. We're addicted to so many things. And we think the only person with an addiction is that one smoking that meth pipe. We think the only one with an addiction, a real addiction, is that one with that, with that alcohol bottle in their hand. And we are having addictions that are destroying families, destroying homes, destroying ministries, destroying churches. What's an addiction? Something you can't control. Something that is controlling you. Destructive addictions. Not only that, write this down. Destructive addictions, but then debilitating assumptions. This is, this is worse than the other one. Well, how could it be any worse? I'll tell you why. Because you're listening to the devil telling you, you're never going to be anything. You're listening to, listen, somebody telling you, you're nothing, you never will be anything. There are so many people that won't get involved because they don't think they're worthy. Honey, ain't a person in here worthy. I don't think I can do it. Nobody can. Listen to this. Think about this a minute. Let's just think about this a minute. David, a young man. Young man, he ain't even, he ain't even old enough to go out to, to battle yet. I mean, he's a young man, a young man. He comes. He comes 
And there is a there is a soldier, a seasoned soldier that's got the whole Israelite army scared, slammed to death. The Israelites are on one side of a valley. The Philistines are on another side of the valley. And Goliath comes down there in the middle of the valley and says, Give me your best man. Give me a man that will fight with me. That's his exact words. Give me a man. Every day. Day after day after day after day. Cursing God, making fun of the God of Israel. Listen, here comes David. He shows up. He's delivering lunch. It's, it's like this. Let me put it this way. The, 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 the guard, what, what, in, 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 in Iraq, what was that guard? The Revolutionary Guard? Is that what the name of their, their baddest company was? They're standing out there, and they were bad. But we were badders. I'm sorry, I can't help them. They're standing there bowing up, showing all their weaponry and all that. And the pizza delivery boy drives up. To deliver pizzas to the soldiers. Is there any pizza delivery people here today? Thank you. <laughs> Have you noticed they don't look like they got enough sense to get out to rain? I mean, they can't keep the drawers up, hats sideways, and they just, they got, I'm not even sure if they can count your money. But here they are. David gets out. And he's so excited to be there. He pulls into the camp and he is so excited. The Bible said he shouts for the battle. Woohoo! Everybody's scared to death. Everybody's trembling in their tents. Everybody's hiding in caves. And he comes up here. Woohoo! They're like, what's his problem? His own brothers. His own brothers said, don't you? What are you doing? You don't have no business here when you're afraid and somebody ain't. It makes you feel bad, don't it? And then all of a sudden, he's excited. Then he hears something. Who in God's name is that cussing? One of the guys said, well, is it, son, there's a guy down there. He's bigger than I've ever seen in my life. I, you ain't going to believe his name is Goliath. He's been threatening everybody, wanting, wanting us to come down and fight him. Man, and, man on man. And then, and, then, and, then, and then he messed up right here. He said, and I tell you what, King Saul said, anybody goes down there and whoops him, he's going to make his house free, he's going to make him rich, and even give his daughter to marry. Say what? You offer a young man a bride? Hey. He even said that. He went to another one just to be sure. He went to somebody else. Tell me again what he said he was going to do. He gets all excited. See, God had it all planned. God had, knows how to motivate you to do something for him. Amen. The brothers, y'all know the whole story. Goes to Saul. Goes to Saul. Saul says, here, take my armor. I ain't going to fight. You use it. He, he was of European descent. Amen. Oh, boy. I can't use them, man. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not proved these. He said, I, I, I just take what I've used already. And y'all know, y'all know, sling and five smooth stones. So why'd he get five? Because he had four brothers. I'm serious, he really did, four brothers. He said, I got one for you and your whole family. Goes down in the valley. And y'all know the story. I don't have to describe it. He whooped a big old ugly giant with one stone. There was only one open spot on his whole body. Do you understand that? He had armor all over his body. One open spot on his, on his whole entire body. And that's the spot he hit. Bam! Now, Brother Scott, if I hit you, are you going forward or backwards? 
Backwards. That's right. You've seen me before, haven't you? Amen. <laughs> oh, see, that's why ain't nobody here today. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says that Goliath fell. You know what I believe happened? I believe about mid-flight of that rock, God grabbed it, come up, and put Goliath in the clinch. USC people will catch that, amen. And wham, wham, fell forward face first. David went over there. The sword was probably bigger than he was. Got that sword and cut his head off. So what a point are you trying to make? God said, Goliath said, give me a man. God said, I don't need a man. Matter of fact, I'm going to just get the pizza delivery man to show up. So you'll know and everybody else will know it was me. And you know, even David said the same thing. He said, when we're through today, everybody will know there's a God in Israel. But see, you're sitting in that pew scared to death to get involved. Scared to death. You can't do it. Scared to death. And you're haunted by your problem now. An assumption that you are not worthy or you're not good enough to do something for God. And God's saying, you never was. You never will be. It's me doing it. Just make yourself available and I'll do it through you. Give him praise and glory. Give him praise. Yeah. Present problems. Don't we have problems, church? Say amen. Well, we need to be free. We need to spend time in God's word so he can set us free from this stuff. What, what verse do you have for that? The Bible says, I can do all things. I can quit meth. I can quit porn. I can quit alcohol. I can quit running around. I can quit immoral lifestyles. I can, I can quit all those things. I can quit cigarettes. I can quit Copenhagen. I can quit caffeine. I can quit biscuits and gravy. Amen. <laughs> Let's just get it all. Amen. It's amazing to me. We'll look down on somebody that can't put down a Budweiser, but we won't say nothing to the man can't put down the fort. And so both of them are just as destructive. I stay in trouble, Bubba. <laughs> but if I preach in shorts, I can preach on eating. Amen. I'm, get, I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to me. Got to have that caffeine. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. If it's controlling you, it is. I know. And I, I started reading this. And, and the first thing, Brother Chris, the first thing, when it said really free, I thought about having to drive by the hilltop first thing in the morning. That store that's got the mean beans, coffee drink that's wonderful. But I don't need to have to have that. Wouldn't it be great? Not have anything pulling on you any time of the day. You could do what you need to do or you want to do. And not have to do something. I don't have to do it, preacher. I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you fine? Are you really fine? See, we're just getting practical here. See, that's what we don't want to talk about. We just want to talk about those things that are really evil. Some of us are in bondage to debt. We can't give to missions because we're so overloaded in debt. We can't even pay our tithes. Because if we don't, it's the same thing. Amen? But the Bible says if we'll start living in the Word. I mean, reading it, meditating on it continuing in it, applying it to our life, God will set us free to all these things. All of them. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe any of it then. 
Because it's either true or it's not. Well, how's that Bible going to do that? It's more than that Bible. Because, see, he says, you shall know the truth. Who's the truth? The Lord Jesus Christ. I can do all things through. What does that next verse say? And if the Son, capital S-O-N, Jesus Christ, shall make you free, you shall be free. So you won't be operating on your power anymore. You'll be operating in his power. And there's not an addiction he can't break. Say amen. Amen. Lastly, what was number one? People are in bondage to a, everybody say it with me. Number one, a, not only a pestilent past, but then, then present problems, things we struggle with every day. I tell you what, Brother Scott, I want to make a, I want to make a conscious effort to deal with those things. Just to spend more time with God and quit fighting it on my own. Because I found out this. I've tried to quit them things. Caffeine and all that kind of stuff. I've tried to do it on my own. I keep failing, Brother Chris. Oh, I've quit for two or three years. Well, if you're still doing it, you ain't quit. I've quit. I've quit three or four times. But see, it was me. I want God to help me with it. And according to this word, he said he would. Amen? Amen. Number three. Number three. Not only our passionate problems are our present problems, but number three, right? Put it, put it up on the board. You got that one? One minute? Well, let me go up here. The man's going to make me climb steps. He's helping me with my addiction. Say Amen. Number three, oh boy, we really need to get set free from people's preferences. People's preferences. Everybody needs to put your seatbelt on for just a minute. People's preferences. Everybody has some kind of preference when it comes to religion. A preference of music. A preference of style. A preference of service order. Uh, to the point, to the point that if you if you deviate. If you detour just a little bit from their preference, they think you're the Antichrist. And, and it, has, it has come to the point, Brother Chris, that we have made it in such a way that we are in so much bondage to it that we are tied to our preferences and bound by our preferences. And when God wants to do something... We can't do it because we're here tied up with this, what we think it has to be. I'm telling you, God's really been speaking to me about this subject. Because America is going to hell in a handbasket and there are independent Baptists that are not willing to change. To reach this world. And they are dying on the vine. Brother Dave Turner came in a few months ago or last year sometime and, and, and testified the fact that three or four churches have dropped him because they have ceased to exist. And they will continue to cease to exist if they continue in a stubborn way. Brother Travis was sharing a thought with me. Brother Travis was sharing a thought with me. And I've never, I, I don't even remember seeing one until you said it. And then when I was going by, I was going by the uh, uh, uptown Friday. I seen a line of people outside of that red box. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Stick a dollar in, you get Rambo out. What's the name of that thing? Okay. Are you serious? Y'all know the red box. 
They are saying now that the red box and Netflix, you know, where you can go and, and order it by mail, these videos, are putting Blockbuster and these others completely out of business. You know why? We want you to come to us. We're going to make you do it our way. You're going to come to us if you want something. And the other saying, hey, we, we don't, we'll come to you. We'll bring it whatever you want. We'll make it as easy as possible for you to get our product. And they're going out of business. I promise you this. It will be in the next, uh, 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 help me. Is it MacArthur? Not MacArthur. Who's the, uh, Maxwell. John Maxwell book. I guarantee you on leadership. He'll use that as an illustration. Because there were so many people, the people that developed McDonald's, the people that developed McDonald's, the brothers that developed McDonald's, they were not willing to change a little bit to go forward. And they sold out. And the man that took it after them made it a nationwide and then ultimately an international product because they were not willing to change. Nothing about the hamburgers changed. Nothing about the hamburger making process changed. But how they marketed it and how they went and sold it completely changed. And it went worldwide. Preacher, why are you saying all this stuff? Because we'll sit in our chair. We'll say, I'm not changing the way I sing my hymn. I'm not changing anything about our service. If they want what we got, they come and be like us. Uh, Listen, if they don't like it, then they can... And you know what? They are. They're going to hell every day. They're going to hell because we love our preference more than we love their soul. And we're not willing to change anything. Just hello. And you know what? It didn't start with independent Baptists. It didn't start with Southern Baptists. It didn't start with the church of God. And they're with all of them. This crowd's with all of them. It started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. What are you talking about? I'm talking about adding to God's word. What do you mean in the garden of Eden? Where did they add to God's word? Yeah, the devil came to Eve. The devil came to Eve. Did God really say, I mean, hath, hath, God, hath God really said that you can't eat of this fruit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what Eve said. Oh, yeah. We can't eat and we can't even touch it. God never said that. What was she doing? She was adding restrictions. Do you get this? She was adding restrictions. She was adding laws. She was adding to God's word. And what she made it to be, she couldn't live up to it. I see y'all ain't getting it. God said, wear modest apparel. We said modest apparel plus a tie, plus a suit, plus a dress down to the ankles, plus no this and no that, and you got to have this, and you can't have that, and na-na-na, What are we doing? We're adding to God's Word. We're putting restrictions and limitations that was never in the Word of God, and we're wondering why we're... Bo- we just keep, every time we add something, we just keep boxing ourselves in and wondering why we can't reach nobody. What are the... Brethren going to think of, if we, if we, I'll be honest with you, I'm at the place now, I don't care what they think. I really don't. Why? I mean, Brother Kendrick, Brother Kendrick gave me a video to watch. It's called The Lake, The Lake, uh, Something in the cowboy. What was the middle one, Brother Travis? The man at the gate. Yeah, the beggar. The beggar. The lake, the beggar, and the cowboy. But anyhow, the whole point I want to get to is the lake. He said, imagine this. Imagine that there's this lake, and people are all in this lake drowning. People are all in this lake drowning. And, and God said, you and this church is standing on this seashore. And he says, go get the people out of the lake. That is your responsibility. That is what I want you to do. Go get the people out of the lake. And then he went to heaven to prepare a place for those that you get out of the lake. He said, what we have done is we have built edifices on the edge of the water. 
We have, we have said, look at this grand church building that we have. We have done this and we have done that. And he said, listen, I don't want that. I want you to get the people out of the lake. Quit arguing about what you're wearing and getting people out of the lake. Quit arguing about what songs you sing and get people out of the lake. Go get the people out of the lake. I used to be real adamant about all that stuff, but I have found out a lot of it's preference. Some likes banjo twang. I like it. I like bluegrass stuff. I like southern gospel. But I like some contemporary too. There's some I don't like worth a quarter. But some of the other younger people do. And I thought, you can't even understand the words. And they said them all back to me. I said, okay. You ever notice every generation don't like the next generation's anything? We don't like the music, we don't like the clothes, we don't like the hairstyles. And then when the next generation comes, we don't like theirs neither. (laughs) Boys coming around, don't own a comb. What's up with that? If I had to do that all day, I'd have seizures. All in their eyes, can't see nothing. No wonder they running over stuff. (laughs) But you know what we'll do? Bless God, they're going to hell for having hair like that. No, they're not. They just can't see where they're going. (laughs) No offense, Tyler. I'm telling you, I grew up, he's all right. He's all right. He's a good kid. But you know what? We get people preaching against that. There's plenty in the Bible to preach on. We get hung up on things. Y'all, <laughs> I preached last week looking like Rocky. How many of y'all felt God in the place? I was preaching. I felt God on me. I'm telling you, Brother Travis, he was speaking through me. You know what God was showing me? He said, son, get out your box. All these things that you think it's got to be this and it's got to be that. It's, we don't even have to be in this building. We could be outside and have church just like we can in this building. There was people thought we was the Antichrist for putting screens on the building. For real. I'm not making this up. Bless God. They even wrote a song. I was listening to 99.9. They wrote a song about the singing on the wall. (laughs) Bless God where the hymnals go. I'm tired of that singing on the wall. (laughs) They get on... Them young preachers get on Facebook. Thank God for my King James Bible, my red book hymnal. <laughs> I'm sure that's what John the Baptist did on the Jordan River. Turn to 333 here this morning. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. What's 333? Shall we gather at the river? Amen. <laughs> Peter stands on the day of Pentecost and says, turn to 422. Amen. We're going to start this service. Come on, people. I'm trying to be funny because this is sad. You've got to laugh to keep from crying because churches are dying. And they're not willing to change anything even though they know they're dying. We, we just got to change. You know, we, we just got to do better at what we're doing. Do better? You're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's still going down. The Pharisees. I see. Now, now some of y'all are mad. I told y'all. I told y'all. Y'all going to be calling me a Samaritan in a minute. 
That's why I cleared all the rocks out of the building so you couldn't throw no rock at me this morning. This is why the Pharisees hated Jesus so much. Because he was the biggest change agent in the Bible. They were so stuck in their religious formality. They were so stuck. And he did things on purpose just to mess with them. Why do you think we look like Rocky Sunday? He would go and heal somebody on the Sabbath. Just say, is it okay to do this? What are they going to say? And he would, he would do these things because he knew they were trapped in their legalism, in their opinions and their preferences. Let me give you these two things because we're having such a good time. What, what traditions that cripple, traditions that cripple, the, the, the saddest last words of a church is, we've never done it that way. Then it's about time. Amen. Y'all have no idea how much fun I'm having in church in my life right now. Because I'm not at a place where I have to do it like Dr. Doodledigger says. I can pray and ask God and God can give me an idea and I can run with that idea. I don't have to call and ask permission from nobody. Listen, traditions stifle creativity. What are you talking about creativity? Think about this. Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus healed a blind man in a bunch of different ways. One time he spit right in his eye. One time he spit on the ground, made some mud, and put the mud in his eye. Another time he said, it is. But you know what? The church of the spit in the eye, they'll preach in, the only way you can be delivered and see again is from spit in your eye. But then the church of the mud pie, they'll say, the only way you can be delivered it's for somebody to spit on the ground, make mud, and put it in your eye. But then the other church, they'll say, no, 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 that's not the way you do it. This is the way. Jesus done it a bunch of different ways. Listen, you could, <laughs> oh, boy. People can get saved by singing Amazing Grace. But you know what? Pe- people, people can get saved by singing the Revelation song. People can get saved by how great is our God. People can even get saved by that operatic. Operatic? Operatic? It's operatic to me. You can believe that. It's like hog calling. Amen. It ain't my thing. But you know what? People get saved by that. Preacher, what point are you making? Listen, I may not sing your style, but I'm not going to criticize you for singing it. We're all on the same team. I mean, it might not be my thing, but I'm not going to say you're not right with God for not doing it my way. How many of y'all, honestly, even, even if you don't like what I said, even if you're mad at me right now, how many of y'all can honestly see this in, in the American church right now? People are bound in bondage. Bound. And Jesus said, man, just go in that Bible. Let me give you one more illustration because I'm, I'm out of time. Traditions that cripple, and then watch this. Teaching that confines. Watch what they were doing. Watch what they were doing. The Bible says, He answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What were they doing? Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. 
For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold to the tradition of men, as of the washing of pots and cups and many other such things like ye that ye do, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. What are you saying? I'm saying whether I have a suit on today or a... I don't even know what color that t-shirt was. Fluorescent green life group t-shirt. God's the same. And just because your tradition says it can't be that way, it's irrelevant. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, anywhere he wants, with anyone he wants. And when you go to teaching, thus saith the Lord, when it's what, your opinion, the word of God is going to be of none effect. Amen. We wonder why our churches are dying. Let me give you this last word. Jesus comes on the scene. God has given his law. God has given his word. Then the Pharisees have added and added and added and added and added and added and added. Even to the point. Church, watch this. I'm almost done. Even to the point that on the Sabbath day, they would count their steps. So that, so that just in case they didn't go over a certain number, that that would be classified as work. How many times, how many times have you heard in the Bible a Sabbath day's journey? In other words, it was the, 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 the length that you could go with that amount of steps. Are y'all with me? That's not biblical. That was not there. They just kept adding to, adding to, adding to, adding to, and adding. And here's what Jesus saw when he came on the scene. He saw a people so burdened down with rules and regulations that they could not live up to. (coughs) He told the lawyers, he said, you're putting a yoke of bondage on people that you're not even able to carry. And he sees people without relationships, but they're trying to live by a list of rules, and they're wondering why they're failing miserably. They're suffering so bad. They're tired and they're wore out. I'm telling you, this freedom that I have, this liberty that we have to just be Christ. I don't have to do to be. I can just be. And just just live and breathe. It's okay. I'm enjoying my Christian liberty. And God is moving. Well, God don't like it. Well, he has a funny way of showing it. But there's so many people... Burdened down because they're trying to live up to it. They got to go to church a certain amount of times and they got to do this a certain amount and this a certain amount because if they don't, God's going to throw lightning bolts and they're just wore down. And Jesus saw that. And this is what he said Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy. He wasn't talking about a corn sack. He wasn't talking about wheat in a bag, Brother Dave. He was talking about all the pharisaical tradition that they couldn't live up to. He said, come unto me and I'll give you. How many of y'all really need that rest today? Quit trying to live up to a Pharisee's expectations and just be a son. Just be a child of God. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I always wondered, I always wondered, growing up a fundamentalist, independent, premium, little patriotic, we were supposed to be so right with God and we the ones look so unhappy. And the liberals, that's what we called them. If they didn't wear a tie at church, they were liberal. They look so happy. I'm thinking like, something's wrong with this picture. We're supposed to be the happy ones. We're right with God. And condemning everybody that ain't like us. And look so miserable. Because we couldn't live up to our own expectations. 
much less the ones that was watching us. That old boy that gets free from all that, he's resting. Because Jesus, he didn't have nothing to do with none of that garbage. He said, my yoke's easy. My burden's light. Just come follow me. Just tell others about me. I'll say this one time, and we'll close because I've got 53 seconds. How many of y'all were here when we, we built this building and put this carpet in? Anybody, was y'all here when we did it? I was, uh, I was in the back, and, 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 the, and the gentleman that came and put the carpet in, he was the biker type, you know, had, had, had rings on every finger and had the ponytail and, and the tattoos and, and all this stuff. And, and uh, I said it in my mind, I'm going to win him to Jesus. Bless God, he's a hoodlum. I can tell. I can tell. He's back there. I mean, I, I remember the, the, the sound booth was back there. He's right by the sound booth. And, uh, and I went back there and, and, uh, and uh, I said, how can I, how can I get into this and, and uh, figure out a way to start witnessing without really? So I, I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to brag about the church service. This was on Monday. I'll brag about church service Sunday. I said, man, I tell you what, because I, I figured he'd come back with a cuss word or something, you know. And uh, I said, man, did we have a service yesterday? And he stopped and he looked up at me. He said, yeah, we did too. I said, what? And he began to tell about his service. He began to testify and cry. I said, oh, boy. I felt so convicted. Because I had prejudged this man. According to his appearance. You know why? I was in bondage. That you have to be like this and this and this to be a Christian. Because if you don't look like this, then you're not a Christian. And he, he, he was more of a Christian than I was. Church, let's, let's, let's forget all of the tradition. And let's focus on the truth and then the truth will set us free amen and all God's people say it